This is former World Wrestling Federation superstar Duke the Dumpster Drosy, and you are listening to BBGWrestling.com. It's time to take out the trash. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Turn Chuckle on BBG Wrestling. We are back after a very short break. Um, the last episode with Princess Victoria went down really well. Lots of really positive feedback about it, and uh, really appreciate all of the listener questions for that show. We are back with a huge name who I'm extremely excited to interview. I am here with the current NWA National Heavyweight Champion, Trevor Murdoch. Hello. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. I'm okay. I usually say that start with a really positive, happy intro, and then we can go downhill from there with like really sort of shoddy journalism. And uh, you know, I'm I'm joking. I'm of course Let's joking. Shoot the shit, man. <laughs> well, this is kind of fun because not too long ago we had the first um, NWA National Heavyweight Champion Austin Idol on the show, um, and this was right before uh, the NWA Power Show uh, started. And, um, you know, he was kind of either he was kind of being secretive about it or he really didn't know what was happening uh, with it. How early before the first show did you hear about NWA Power? How was it sort of uh, brought to you? Um, I had heard rumblings of, you know, Nick and uh, Allison Kay and Smothers. They for the last before about two years before Power came along. Those guys were still going out. They're going out to large independent companies defending their titles. Still, kind of. Re- and Tim Storm too. I want to make sure I include him on that. Um, they were going to these territories and kind of reviving the NWA to the people within one match, which is really hard to do. But they were they were getting people excited about the NWA through these matches, uh, these pop up shows, kind of. Um, so I had heard rumblings through the boys, you know, that NWA you know, was bought by Billy and he was going to start taking a little bit more of a forward approach with it. Um, but I've also been doing this for 20, going on 23 years. I've heard so many companies that were going to start and kick off or, or, you know, they were going to take on the world. Um, and uh, it, it, you know, I, I didn't get excited about it. It wasn't that I didn't want to. I just I have enough experience in the business to realize let's let's save that for when it actually really really comes to fruition and happens. Um, and when it got closer to the actual NWA power tapings, um, I, I got slightly excited just for NWA, just for me as a fan, because I was excited to see what the NWA was was going to offer the fans and. Uh, Sure enough, as the times got closer and closer, I ended up getting an opportunity to be on the first set of, you know, the power tapings and, you know, everything took off from there. Absolutely. What was that like walking into that studio? I mean, I've never really had a, I don't know what the word would be, kind of like a time traveling moment where you you really don't feel like it's real life. Like that must have been weird to see that. Well, it was um like it was me and it, it was funny because, uh, 90% of the wrestlers hadn't even had a chance to hear about or see the set or anything set up. 
and we all were there to be there at a certain call time. So we all collectively kind of got to go in and see it together as a group, you know, and you were just hearing like the, Oh my God, this is awesome. Or check that out. Or, you know, as, um, as a young man watching all those tapes and those, those shows of Georgia championship wrestling, you know, the, the, you didn't realize it until you got older, but that stage was almost just as important as the wrestlers, it became like a Jim Ross, just a staple of pro wrestling. And that's what you saw wrestling wise. So to walk in and to, to see it again and to feel it and touch it and be a part of it. And then to know that you're going to wrestle on that program, man, it's, it, uh, it makes you feel like you've truly accomplished something in your career because you're doing something that uh, you know that most guys aren't going to get the opportunity. Did you feel that, um, or, or did you follow the NWA during the kind of, I hate to say quiet period, but the period when it's not on TV, I guess less people know about it unless you go to a show. Um, were you following the sort of what was going on uh, at that time? Before, oh, yeah, before always, it became power. Man. Okay. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, I'm, it's inbred in me. You know what I mean? Being a Harley race guy, I spent my, you know, 15 years of my career with him. So, uh, through different transitional phases in my career from, let's just say, starting from the beginning, you know what I mean? I, I hit that man up for every story I could about the road, about matches, about, um, certain guys he wrestled, how business was handled back in the day. You know, and, and he was very blunt and forward with us about all that information. And then when you progress in your career, uh, you know, five years in, I'm able to ask him new questions because I'm coming across new challenges. And you're, I, I'm literally living, I'm living with the embodiment of the NWA. I'm working. I love, my mentor is, when people say NWA, Harley Race's name is always involved in that conversation. Um, even still to this day, when the NWA brings up heritage and tradition, Harley's name and, and, and photos are one of the first ones that come up on the screen. So, yeah, I, I've been lucky enough too to also be close with the guys that were kind of carrying the torch while it wasn't as prevalent. NWA wasn't as prevalent as it was before. You know, I was close with Adam Pierce. I was close with Dave Marquez, who there for a long time carried the nwa torch um through some of the the, the leaner times um so yeah i've always been a part of it and then i'd actually gotten a chance i wrestled brent albright when he was nwa world heavyweight champion for a title shot um so yeah i've always followed it it just wasn't it never seemed uh there was never an opportunity for me to kind of dig my heels in and be 100 percent part of nwa kind of like what i have now with power you know you know because it, it came it's come along at such a sort of really a fun time for wrestling with like AEW starting up and you know other companies sort of taking themselves or pushing themselves to the next level and it's you know all even if it's not direct competition it's always good to have you know a lot of options out there for wrestling fans if nothing else it seems like you know especially amongst you know my friendship circle wrestling wise is relatively small but um, those who were kind of tired of the same thing sort of thing really had high expectations for NWA. And unlike AEW, NWA had the heritage to live up to. Was there an added 
sense of pressure that it was going to be dissected, you know, to the point of just, you know, um, you know, just so minutely to, you know, see if it lived up to what NWA should be in the fans' eyes? Um, if you would have asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have been, yeah, I'd have been so worried and concerned that if I didn't um, produce exactly what the fans wanted, that it was going to be a failure. Um, and it's not that I don't care about the fans' opinions or what they think of of what's going on. Um, I'm just now, I'm, I'm a little bit, I guess I'm way more confident in what I can. Um, and, and also, I have to bring this back to, um, to Billy and Dave Lagana and guys like Nick Aldis. Um, they gave me the confidence to do what I was doing because they never, none of those guys ever tried to change me. They said, Trevor, just do you. Just be you. Go, go out there and do what you know how to do. And it started with that first match with Ricky Starks. It was, you know, I went in the back and I said, you know, what are you guys looking for? And they go, we want a Trevor Murdoch match. And I go, I don't know what a fucking Trevor Murdoch match is. <laughs> and they said, just go out there and do you. Just be the wrestler. Be who you are. And um, it's really freeing to have a, pr- a promoter and a company that supports you in that aspect because you feel like you can't do any wrong. Whereas some of the other companies, you know, um, we'll just say the one up North, you know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) uh, They have, um, you know, a do's and don'ts and, you know, it's a very, uh, you gotta, you know, keep in mind about this person and that person and you don't want to piss off that person or you don't want, you don't want, uh, you know, it's a very restrictive place to try to be creative. Um, and now, and that's my opinion from 10 years ago. Now it could have possibly changed, but I don't feel from what I hear it <laughs> hasn't, but, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's the, the, the badass thing about the NWA is, uh, they listen to the people, you know what I mean? And it, if, to be honest with you, if, if I went out there and I flopped and then the fans just shit all over me, they wouldn't bring me back. I mean, and it's nothing personal but you're finally watching a wrestling company that listens to the fans and to the people, even though we still control the, the narrative, we listen to the people, man. And, um, when you go on to an NWA stage, NWA power, it's a completely stripped down situation. There is no lights, smoke, music, nothing to inter really interfere with what's going on with the wrestling. You have to go out there and, perform you have to put on wrestling you have to tell a story in the ring the announcers aren't telling the story to the people in nwa the announcers are reporting what the wrestlers are doing in the ring do you you see the difference there absolutely and and do you was this your first time working in front of a studio audience in that style Repeat that again. I'm sorry. Was this your first time in front of like a, a studio audience just on one side of the ring? Um, I I had done some other shows for like Dave Marquez and um, there there was a company in Minneapolis at a time at the time. Um, I've done some studio shows and I mean I enjoy them because they are very it's a very intimate situation. I mean I can literally be in. That's the one cool thing um, about power and people coming to watch it live. <clears throat> is 
if I'm in the ring and and there's something that I'm either happy about or or something I want to express, whether it's a fan yelling at me, you know, something, Trevor, we love you, and I'm in the middle kicking somebody's ass and I hear that, I can literally stop and look at you and go, I love you too, and go back to work and kick uh -huh. ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can interact. There's a very intimate uh, scenario, an intimate relationship with the fans in that kind of setting. Whereas when you're wrestling for, uh, you wrestle for, let's just, I'm just using, they want to be the, the brand that everybody knows. I'm using WWE. When you wrestle for the WWE, you can't, as a fan, you can't get that interaction. As a matter of fact, on TV, they tell you not to interact that way. Um, and it's, it's like, shit, you're missing out on so much, and the fans are missing out on so much. So for me, I, I, I enjoy the huge shows. Don't get me wrong. I love them. I love walking down the ramp and hearing thousands of people chant something. And, as you know, it's a very energetic situation. But I also really enjoy the intimate setting that NWA Power brings to the fans because you can be right there. Uh, some of the, the fans in the front row, I know it sounds gross, but I mean, you're so close to the action, you sweat it all. You know what I mean? Like, it's you're right there in their face. Yeah. Um, and from a performer standpoint, too, from a wrestler standpoint, there's, um, there's a lot of pressure in that situation because there's – Everybody's like, Trevor, you're so real. You're so Well, I am real. I, I, what you're seeing is very real because it is real. It is. I'm laying the wood to these guys because that's the situation we're in. And that's what we have to do to perform to put on the best product possible. Do you feel that with um, a studio audience as well, and because you are so close to them as well, that, you know, that you have to I, – I, right, I don't want to say this without it, – it's quite easy to sound offensive i'm hoping you'll get what i mean and uh, to like sort of work harder to keep that audience engaged because if it's like twenty thousand seater you're gonna have sound in the audience either way um whereas a studio audience could go completely silent um not because no, no, they're no, no. not I into totally, it but no 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 i no no there's no offense i understand the question yeah um no no, no. it's um for me uh that's the cool thing about I keep saying it's but cool, but it, it, it works. NWA gives you stories, and those wrestlers go in there and tell a story with their match. It's not just two guys that um, come in and do some amazing moves. Very talented guys come in and do some amazing moves. Um, but most of every match on the NWA Power, everything means something. And so when the fans are, are watching it, they're kind of getting the – you know, we're only able to air, so was it 60, 59 minutes every week of, of power. As a fan, they're virtually getting the fast-forwarded version because they see the whole story. They're there for the whole story. Mm -hmm. um, something that you don't get as a fan with WWE or, or even AEW when you're following them on TV. You can come to the show and watch that crowd see everything play out. And for them... Um, it really kind of amazes us sometimes because those fans that are in the audience, they're there for three and four hours, you know, and that's hard to keep a, that's, that's very rare to keep a crowd that intense for three and four hours, but they're with it. If you watch every episode of power, they are with it. And 
I know it's it's funny. I'm sure some of the people have, have pointed it out. Like there's um a fan named Santa Bob, and he wears this orange outfit always, whether in you know, some sort of like Christmas hat or Christmas stocking or whatever. But you can watch an episode and see him in the first like four episodes wearing the exact same outfit. <laughs> and, and it's like, wow, that's weird. That guy's wore the same thing every week. Well, no, it's because he's been able, he sat there and was there for all those episodes. Um, but no, I don't find it hard. I don't. And if they get quiet, it's usually a reason for it. Like we have created a situation for the crowd to get quiet. Um, I remember when I was in the um, tournament for the heavyweight title match mm-hmm. and my second round match was with a gentleman name and we're standing in the ring um trading chops and first and foremost i've never had anybody hit me as hard as that man did that night with chops um but we're standing there and he is just drilling me um and you're seeing like literally he would hit me and you would start to see the i can't bring up here you would start to see the redness and the blood coming up to the skin instantly And the crowd got quiet for a moment, if you watch that. And it was because they're at that time, like they like so entranced in what was going on, watching me just get grew. It was like, it was almost a holy shit moment, you know? And that was created, that, that was created, we created that by design, you know what I mean? And that, the fans, when I talk to them after they leave one of our shows, they're not just only physically, but emotionally exhausted because they've also been able to invest so much into the characters and into the story. They've been able to watch it, fast forward it. Yeah, well, I mean, um, you made the point uh, about being able to, you know, control the emotion of the, the crowd to have them up and screaming or to be quiet. And certainly power is the most dynamic show in terms of being able to do that and i mean it's 59 minutes so i mean you, there's no room for for fluff on that show you no. know the, yeah it's full of action and one one thing that immediately hooked me in with the show is that cameras are acknowledged and because you know us watching it we are the audience as well and it just it astounds me how little fourth wall breaking there is in terms of the cameras on the other, sh- like, especially with WWE, you know, it, it, yes, they're trying to get an, a reaction out of the audience, but some of my favorite wrestlers looked directly at the camera during interviews and, you know, or even coming to the ring or during a match if they were kind of shouting at the camera or some of the managers would do that. And it's just, you know, the connection to the home audience to me is just as important if you want people to connect with the show and ideally get them to tune in on a regular basis. Um, and NWA power really it, it is able to nostalgia can become too much. And I'm sure NWA like power has realized that it can't just be a nostalgia show. And I know that isn't the, the ambition and it certainly hasn't been, you've been, you know, you've done some, wonderful things uh, with it but also have the nostalgia in there as well it really is a show for wrestling fans um both old and new and different age ranges as well like my friend alex who's a huge nwa fan like all the all the different territories um and he's able to show that to his son 
you know, and I know, it, you know, it, some of it probably isn't suitable for a son, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> um, but he gets into it as well. And it's just, it actually makes good family viewing. Uh, in my opinion, it's, uh, well, and if you've ever watched NWA power, um, you know, that was like, I don't know if that's an intentional thing or what, but every wrestler, you know, we, we don't ride on the fine line of, of uh, rated R, but you know, we're, we're definitely a PG 13, you know what I mean? We want everybody to be able to watch our program, but also it not be so watered down um, to a certain demographic either. Mm-hmm. Um, our guys don't walk out, you know, F this, F that, and other companies don't either. Um, but we're definitely, it's definitely designed to make sure that everybody can enjoy this product. You know what yeah, I mean? and, and there's no shock for the sh- for the sake of shock as well. Um, you know, and things aren't meaningless in terms of like say sketches or you know uh, vignettes or skits or whatever. Everything really has its place, and um, you know I've I've uh, really been enjoying it, and um, you know hope it comes back soon. <laughs> I'm sure Just I'm not the only watch. NWA is not going anywhere. Just keep watching, guys. There'll be an announcement. Of... Just keep watching. <laughs> nice. Okay. It was, and the thing is, as well, you know, you've certainly the the YouTube channel has certainly been keeping the fans entertained because I love the Harley Race uh, documentary and uh, some of the other product that you've been putting out there as well. Like how how feet first did you jump into? chatting about Harley race for that uh, documentary. Cause it was, it was really cool. Was it with, when you did that little interview, was it with the intention for it to be in a documentary or was it kind of a, when you were talking about happens, early days? man, yeah. I get, I get so many questions about Harley because he was so, you know, um, I, I've got to explain like everybody's, I, I want to explain our, mine and Harley's relationship. Um, when I moved, the school originally was in Springfield, Missouri. I was 20 years old. Um, it was there for about three months and then moved to a small town called Eldon, Missouri, where I live at now. And with me and another buddy of mine, we were the first two students at his camp. Uh, and I just made that my home base. Like this is where, you know, I got, a, I, I met my wife here. I have children now and they go to Eldon schools. I am, I have been for the last 18 years fully embedded into this town. So when I would go, when I got my TNA moments, I was driving and coming back to Eldon, you know, and when I wasn't at work or I didn't, or I wasn't at home, I was at Harley's camp, whether I was working on my own shit or I was working with his guys trying to upgrade, you know, elevate those guys in training. And it was just, that was just my life. When I was with WWE, I drove two and a half hours from where I live in Eldon to the airport to fly out every week and drove two and a half hours after a long ass travel day just to come home. Uh Um, And then when I would come home, I was at the training camp for, you know, I had two days off. I, you know, my God love my wife. She would go to work. My kids would go to school. I would go to training camp. You know, I'd be there all day hanging out with Harley. My, I never left Harley. You know what I mean? So for a solid 15 years, he was a part of my life and career. And, and when I had ups, he knew about it. And I talked to him about it. When I had downs, I talked to him about it and he knew it and give me advice. He was, um, him and BJ, his, his lovely wife were there when, 
when my wife and I, um, we met, we had two di different miscarriages and I had no idea. Um, and they were late term miscarriages. So I, I, a lot of things, you know, emotionally as, as a man growing up and trying to have a family and, um, I was, you know, they were there to comfort me and give me advice and a direction on what to do on things. Um, we live in a, a, we live in a touristy area, so there's a lot of hills. So as soon as it snows, um, if you're down in some of these hills, you're there until they get the roads clear. Uh -huh. I remember specifically one year I'm at my house this is before I met my wife. I got snowed in at my house. Um, for almost four or five, I think it was five days. I had no no TV. I was just an independent guy trying to pay rent. So I had no TV. I had to radio. Um, and I'm all by myself. And I'm like legitimately like running out of food because you're at home and you're just <laughs> eating constantly because you're bored. And, mm -hmm. and I finally called Harley and um, I explained my situation to him. And there was no hesitation. He goes, I'll be there to come get you. <laughs> <laughs> and he got into his Denali and drove this icy snow-packed road all up and down these hills all the way down to the bottom of my house and picked me up and then took me to his home where I stayed and lived at his house for the next three days while his wife cooked for me and took care of me. I saw Harley in his underwear first thing in the morning sitting on, on the recliner <laughs> drinking his coffee watching the news. How was that um, for you? <laughs> What am I going to say to Harley Race? I'm in your motherfucking house, buddy. You do what you do, pal. Um, you know, it was it was those moments that connected me to him for life. You know what I mean? So when I talk about my wrestling career and I talk about where I've been and what I've done or who, who I've wrestled, he will always be a part of that conversation, man. Um, whether it be with doing a, a an interview with you or or a fan that had seen me wrestle and, and I remind them of, of something Harley did back in the day. Um, I'm very proud to have his stamp on my back and I will forever carry him and his legacy with me throughout whatever I do. And, and you know, what you said about Harley coming out, you know, in terrible weather to come and get you and everything like it is WWE Hall of Fame speech on stage to the McMahons. He was like, if you ever need someone to take care of business, I'll you know, and it's like, you know, it's unbelievable that he's like prepared to just, you know, take on whoever is threatening the McMahons at that point, which is sounds crazy. But Harley just seems up for any challenge. Um, <laughs> well, and, and I guarantee you, every wrestler in there is like, you ain't going to have a problem with me, Harley. <laughs> You're good with me. Yeah. Didn't Harley, um, whilst in a wheelchair, didn't he, who did he knock out at a convention? It's, there's been a couple people. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago as well, relatively. Like, he did have, uh, he had issues with someone and he knocked them out. Um, I'm. I'm not going to go into details because I just, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to okay. talk about the situation, but here I'll, I will give you, I will give you a, a scenario. Um, you never, I don't care how old Harley was. You never call him an old man. Um, even when he was in a wheelchair um, to a point where he was, you know, there most of the time you could, I would shake his hand. And he would give me a grin and grip and squeeze and then just, and he would hurt me. You know what I mean? He's just literally like, you're hurting me. 
and me being stubborn, looking at him going, I know you're hurting me, man. It's fucking good. You know, it's just a test of just will, you know what I mean? And he would always win. And we're talking, you know, 70 years old. Um, he, so <clears throat> a lot of guys tend to forget that he's still fucking Harley race. And he didn't become an eight time NWA heavyweight champion just because he was the baddest man to step into the ring. And I mean that the toughest man to step in the ring. And I mean that legitimately, he was eight time NWA heavyweight champion and people respect him because he was smart and intelligent and people would sometimes forget that just because he's got a little gray on his hair and maybe in a chair, he's still Harley race. So you would have an individual that would run their mouth and Harley would hear about it. And Harley would play the gimmick. Come here, come here. I want to talk to you. And this guy thinking that Harley's an idiot, um, would come close. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, if you didn't remember, um, and if you didn't know, Harley was a lefty. So, um, most guys, if they are any, you know, if they are any type of fighter, most guys are watching for the right hand. It's just, it's a common, you know, most people are right-handed, but they would forget that he's left-handed. So he'd speak real quietly. And they would come in closer and closer, and they'd be stupid enough to put their chin close enough to Harley, and he would just ding, and just pop, <laughs> and uh. and pop you right in the mouth, and then proceed to tell you why he popped you in the mouth. <laughs> and if 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 he did punch you in the mouth, there was a damn good reason too. Mm. You know what I mean? Harley wasn't a bully. Harley didn't have to prove him to be tough, or didn't have to say he was a tough guy. He was just hardly who he was. And if you treated him badly or disrespected him, he was going to let you know about it. I mean, we're talking about a guy that back in the day when he was going full, full bore as world heavyweight champion would walk into a random bar. And if guys had quarters on the pool table saying that they were next to play pool, because that's the gimmick. If you want to play pool and you got two guys playing, you put your quarters up there and say, I got next. It's a common thing. Well, Harley would walk into a random bar, not know anybody, and take his quarters and put those quarters in front of everybody else's and put them <laughs> down and look at everybody in the room and go, I'm next. And either they could accept it and he play next, or they could deal with the consequences if they wanted to argue with him about it. And it didn't take too many times of guys arguing before it got around that if Harley was next, he was going to be next. Oh yeah, like Flair would bring him overseas as a bodyguard so he didn't get attacked, and oh, you, well, that they would come home with a belt and you know all that kind of thing, and yeah, because my, my introduction to Harley, you know, being in the UK and not really having access to the NWA as a kid was his WWF time, um, and right. it is kind of funny that when he first came in, like Gorilla Monsoon would be like this uh, newcomer Harley Race, <laughs> it's just like come on, like. We know, we know Harley Race. I mean, and when they when they did the tribute video for him, um, which was beautifully done, um, they showed because uh, he won the King of the Ring tournament in '86 when it was just a house show, but it was filmed, and that footage had never been seen ever. And there's like two clips of it on this video, and all of us like absolute footage nerds are like, right, come on, network, you've you've got to do something with it because there was a couple of pictures with the trophy 
because that's what you mm-hmm. won at the time. And um, but there is actually some footage uh, out there as well. And um, the I'll show this to anyone for for a WWF match, his match against Haku at the Rumble '89. If you just want to see two big bastards just kick the hell out of each other like legitimately and just take it in the stride it's so good um and harley's a face as well which is just like i don't know how the i don't think a wwf crowd took to harley race as a face because i don't think they knew what to make of him as a face (laughs) well it's just um you know harley was and 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 i harley was i was similar into the fact that harley is you know they have women that have resting bitch face (laughs) <laughs> guys have the same thing and and harley had this look that even you know even me you know knowing and spending time with him that he could look at me and me question whether or not he was angry or not at me you know what i mean but it was just that look that he carried around um and he it, it wasn't i don't think it it may have been intentional early in his career but it, i don't think it certainly was towards you know later years into his career it just become part of his who he was and his nature <laughs> yeah if you pull the face for long enough, if you pull the face for long enough it'll set <laughs> eventually uh, yeah it'll sit. <laughs> yeah and you know harley was one of those gentlemen um there's few guys in this world that can still do it or still have that power but he can look at you and not say anything and you question whether or not something bad's going to happen, really bad. You know what I mean? It, it was a look of menace, and, like, he's going to fucking hurt you. Um, and that's something, like, I've tried to adapt into who I am. If you notice, when I walk out to the ring for NWA Power, I don't just burst through the curtains and hop into the ring. I take a minute. And I look at the people, I soak them in, and I give them this mental image of, oh, shit, something bad's about to happen. And I want them to feel that, and I want them to see that. And there's times where I'm in the ring, and I'm, I'm, uh, uh, just a, I'm, I'm getting aggressive with somebody. And I just want to look at the people and just let them know, like, yeah, he fucked up. <laughs> and... And it's, it's an emotional connection, man. That's all those things. This goes, you know, it's just, we're, we're, we're full circling in this interview. The fact that it goes back to, you have to interact with those fans. You mm. have to let them know that they're a part of it, but also you have to remind them who the fuck you are too. And I know this, I've dropped a lot of F-bombs in this comment. Sorry, it's just fine. who I am. It's but UK, we can swear as much as we want. It's fine. Like Tremendous. Uh, <laughs> But it's, you know, when I step through the curtain, I'm I'm 100% on, just like Harley was. And and that doesn't, I don't turn off until I walk back through that curtain. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, your time in WWE, and we'll not obviously stick on that, but that was, you know, when you were exposed to the world, basically, and you stood out so much compared to everyone else on there. You know, obviously body type etc but also yeah, character yeah look look i've got i've got tits so it's fine you know um <laughs> um yeah no but i mean it was at a time you know when you came in like i say we're not gonna we'll not dwell on the wwe time but um it, it felt like a, this sort of there was an attempt to 
have an attitude era resurgence during that time with DX coming back with even the imposter Kane and it seemed a bit more adult oriented and stuff like that. Do you feel that it was like, how was the, um, the atmosphere for the Trevor Murdoch character for you? Did you feel that at that time early on that it was going to work? Like, no, 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 no. I know exactly what you mean. Um, they were trying to be edgy with a PG-13 rating is basically what they were trying to do. And you can't. Like, it was it was difficult because they wanted they wanted me to be aggressive at times. Um, but then, like, for example, I had um, – I may get a lot of heat for this, but I, at one time I had a Confederate flag across my ass with the – They didn't put it on your action on. figure. <laughs> yeah, they didn't yeah, put- yeah. <laughs> um, that actually – like like an organization contacted WWE legal and complained about that to the point where um, they were going to create a big stink and WWE got, you know, had a couple, I'm at raw basically. And Johnny Ace comes up to me, and goes, you got to get the flag off your ass. And I'm <laughs> like, what do you mean? He goes, you got to get rid of that Confederate flag. Well, okay. Wh- why? It's causing a big fucking ruckus. Get it off now. Okay. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't trying to make a, a a statement. I wasn't trying to make a point. I wasn't saying, you know, I there's a log there's a ton of negativity when it comes to that flag. I wasn't even trying to represent it was a character that I was trying to create. Um but I but it, that to me was right then was like, okay, um, we're we're kind of now at the mercy of whatever organization is unhappy with whatever's going on. Um, and I kind of got the feeling like it didn't matter what I did to bring attention. It wasn't going to be the attention they wanted. If that 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 makes any sense, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I'm I'm a big. They're pushing this character. They're pushing me as this backwood you know this country redneck that fights people in bars all the time but then they don't want to push the fact that violence is is a you know they then they want to push the fact that violence is a bad thing you know what i mean like i'm i'm sorry you can't you can't give me a background and a character and then realize that character is going out there and doing what he's showing and become it'd be a negative thing does any of that make sense oh absolutely the, the one this was later on uh, during the the Kayla Murdoch thing, and I, I I think it only ever happened on Heat when it was the the web show, like much later on when they took it off TV. But I remember like one or two tag matches where um, Cade was on the microphone throughout like live mic to the uh to the arena and it very much reminded me i mean lawler did it and you know it's kind of thing road dog would do with the outlaws like during a match like early on um was that something that who suggested that and why didn't that take off because that was great and it showed that Um, kate could talk as well because he never really had a chance before that time honestly uh it was just something like we we had no idea that was going to happen. It was one of those deals where we were, you know, we, we got told about our match that day. We got everything in order and we're about 15 minutes before we walk out and they, they hand Kate a mic and they go, Hey, you're going to call this ass kicking from in the ring. And McCabe's like, what, what? And, and I'm, I'm, what are you talking like, I'm looking at him going like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, we want you to commentate the ass kicking that's going on in the ring. And, 
we had zero time to prepare. Um, so what it, all, all that stuff you see is off the fly. It's real. And for some reason or another, um, the higher ups just didn't dig it. Um, and that's, that's where my confusion um, goes with when it comes to WWE in that time of my life, because there were a lot of things that Kate and I were doing um, on house shows. That's where we, we tried out all our new stuff. Um, we were getting fantastic reactions. Um, I remember yeah. they split us up and uh, we had a, U, had a, um, a UK tour nonetheless. And usually those were 18 to 19 days. And um, we talked Johnny into just tagging me and Kate up together um, just for the, the tour. Just like, you know, when we come back, we know you're going to break, you know, we're, we're singles wrestlers now. But just for the tour, put us up against your tag champs and just we'll run the whole tour with your tag champs and put them over. Well, when we got over there, Kate and I were like, well, shit, like we're not going to be put back together when we go back to the States. Let's just have fun with this. So all of those house shows, wherever we would go, we just interacted with the crowd, had fun. We, you know, we, we got them involved and we, we did so well. And the reports were so well when they got back to the office and we got back to the States, Johnny said, we're just going to keep you guys together. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, you're now you're listening to the people. Yeah. Now let's move this forward. And then they just drug their feet. They're like, well, now we don't know what to do with you guys. Just let us fucking do us. Let us. <laughs> it's just tag team wrestling in WWE, though, isn't it? Like, just, you know, did you feel that, again, I don't want to ask too much about it, but, like, sort of um, the tag thing, did you feel that you could, obviously you could only push it too far, but when you were going to be a team, did you already feel the glass ceiling there sort of thing? Um, or were you going to attempt to smash through it and then got disillusioned or realized it wasn't going to happen now. Our whole time, our whole time at WWE was, was trying to, to break that glass ceiling from the, from the moment they put us together. Um, because we knew that W the tag team wrestling wasn't as prevalent on the program and that we knew Vince wasn't a big fan of it, but he knew he had to have it. So we, if you watch our whole career through there, our, our, you know, Trevor Murdoch and Cade, they're all, oh, they're doing this, doing it, and then we disappeared. And then we come back and, oh, they're doing this, we're doing it, and then we disappear. Um, it all comes down to office, and when I say office, the top guy, you know, Vinny Mac. Yeah. Not Just not feeling what we were doing, and but didn't know what to do with us, but also knew that he didn't want to let us go either. Like, he, he knew, like, that was the thing with, with Cade and I, too. Like, we were, our first year in, um, they broke, you know, they broke us up, like, they broke us up four weeks after we won the tag titles. Like the legitimately, like the next pay-per-view, we lose the tag titles that next week, Trevor's by himself. They give no explanation, nothing. And um, that's when, you know, from then on, Kate and I were fighting to try to get back together. And that's when we did. But we were like, you know, if you don't want us, you don't need us, let us leave. And then we get over, you know, we, and we'll come back. Like we wanted to be the first group of guys to really do that. And they mm. wouldn't do it because they knew that if they let us, like, they were afraid we would go get over and not come back. Um, because we knew that if we went to Japan, we knew that if we went to TNA, we would, we would fucking run, run shot. Like we, we had, we knew we had something hot and they just wouldn't let it go until the point it just fizzled out to, 
we became guys that, you know, nobody believed was ever going to win. Yeah, you got broken up and then you got drafted and then released before your debut. Like, like, like was that just hell? like, yeah. Um, I guess that's like kind of, oh, I don't know, par for the course. Like, I mean, I interviewed Paul London last year and I think it was he who said that, he, I, I believe it was with you guys that he saw the writing on the wall for tag teams when Triple H beat both of you in like a handicap match um, yeah. on a Raw and it was just like, ugh. Like, you know, it, yeah, and you were the like, champions I, as well, and, which is insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we did the same thing for John Cena, too. You know what I mean? They, the, the, the office knew that we were valuable, um, but they just used us as, you know, filler to make, and we, we had no problem making those guys look good. Mm. But how are, how do you expect your, your top tag team to lose to one person? And we weren't just, we weren't midgets and we sure as hell weren't, you know, froofy, you know, we weren't, we weren't gentle. Maybe that's a better word. We never looked like we were gentle wrestlers. You know what I mean? We were brutes. We were athletic. We were, we did technical wrestling, but when you watch Cade and I in there, we looked like we were hurting somebody and that was our job. Um, and instead of capitalizing on that and making something, out of that, which they didn't have with a lot of teams or guys at all. At that time, they kind of fed us to their top guys to make them look great, which, you know, it didn't work. And history has proven that shit doesn't work. Yeah, no, absolutely. One one kind of random question. You may have been asked this before, but I've seen pictures uh, at a house show where Edge, I believe, is wearing your gear. Um, yeah. <laughs> what happened? With, I'm guessing he just left his gear at the uh, the hotel or something. No, no, actually, um, we were traveling and the rule is the rule. And, and he told us that night too. And we all know the rule as a wrestler, if you have to check bags, you check your clothes, your regular clothes, your, your regular day gear. But when you get on the plane, your carry on always has your boots, trunks, your gear, whatever. It has your work, your, you have your working gear. So at the very least, the very least, you can go to work. And were you carrying was, the belt we when a, you were champion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, that never got, that was never in a checked bag. It was always on your carry-on. You always, you always put it above your seat. So you knew there was no, um, there was no checking it at the, at the airplane. It was a carry-on. Um, and every wrestler knows that when you fly, <clears throat> you bring your shit on as a carry on. And it was just a hectic travel schedule. And, um, you know, and Edge said it that day, he goes, yeah, I had a brain fart, man. I didn't want to carry my bags. And so I checked them both. And sure enough, that one time that he checks them both, they lose his bags. Well, he's, he's in the main, you know, and he's got no kind of fucking you sitting there he's like i don't know what i'm gonna do and i i jokingly go you know i'm the one of the the, the more rotund wrestlers and i jokingly go well, you can wear my trunks you want to sweetheart and he goes <laughs> fuck yeah that's exactly what i'm gonna do i'm gonna wear yeah yeah you got an extra pair out there in my pair he borrowed a pair of boots from one of the boys and he went out there one of the few times in his career and he wrestled in trunks and they just happen to be Trevor Murdoch's. <laughs> it's a good job that he like tanned his legs as well, because I guess if you're used to wearing long tights, you don't have to tan 
quite as much oh, or shave yeah. your legs or anything he like was, that, you know. He was he was a pro, so he was tan top to bottom. <laughs> um so yeah, um let's get away from WWE and uh sort of uh talk about well the last few months uh, during the pandemic how how insane is it driven you have you been <laughs> handling it um, okay yeah no i mean i've got a family i've got to be concerned about and look look out for um yeah i have in in-laws my my house is kind of like grand central station for my family i've been blessed to be able to have the the biggest house out of everybody in the family, the surroundings. So my house is kind of like central for everybody. So I have my in-laws come visit. One of them are here at my house usually, you know, every day uh, doing something, whether it be to have lunch with one of their grandkids or, or, or see, pick up one of their grandkids or have dinner with us or visiting, just saying hi. So I have to be concerned about them. Um, I lost almost fifteen thousand dollars worth of work as soon as the pandemic hit because everybody canceled like everybody canceled and um which was understandable um no heat there uh but also in this you know i've also always had a real job too the only times that i've never had a real job was with wwe and that was just the simple fact is there's no way to have um anything other in your life other than wwe you know um so I've always had a job and blessed with that. Um, but when the pandemic hit, um, I'm not a priority to my company. Um, for the simple fact is not that I haven't been there or I don't earn it is because my wrestling, uh, my wrestling, I, I don't like, if I need a day off, all I gotta do is say, Hey man, I need to go. I need to be off today. You know what I mean? Where they've got people that work there full time. That's how they take care of their families. Um, and so it, it was more important that when it came time to cut things, um, I was one of those people that would cut during the pandemic. And again, I totally understand. I have other options and other ways to make money as an, for an income. It's just when the pandemic hit, like it shut down all my options. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so right now, just like everybody else, my, my, my wife and, and I, and my, my wife and kids, and we're, we're making it, man, you know, no, everybody struggles, man, but it's just a different struggle for everybody else. You know what I mean? It's, I can't understand your struggle. You can't under my, understand my struggle because you're not in my shoes. Yeah. Um, but it's a struggle just like, you know, I'm no different than anybody else when, you know, and that was, that's the one thing I've always prided my career on too, man, is I, I want people to know that I'm no different than anybody else. I'm just a guy that's worked hard and followed a dream and I've been successful at it. Um, and I've been as real as I possibly can throughout my whole career. I've, I've done my best to not try to be who I'm not. Um, and so I'm just like you fans when it comes to taking care of bills and, paying for things and wanting to make sure my kids are happy and my wife's happy and I have things that I need. Uh, but in the same sense, I'm also like right now, the struggles you guys are dealing with, I'm dealing with them too. I'm right there with you guys. Um, yeah. It, we just got to remember um, to keep pushing forward that today doesn't justify or doesn't dictate what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, and we have to look for, we have to look for the brighter side of things, because if you don't, 
um, you, you get locked into this, this mentality of it's never going to get better. And when you're thinking like that, you're truly not going to get better because it just brings everything down, man. So you have to stay positive and, and you have to keep telling yourself that today doesn't dictate tomorrow. Keep pushing forward. I think that's a good way to end it. There's a lot more questions, but uh, maybe a part two. Um, you know, I see that's the thing. I usually get uh, the guests to agree to a part two on air, so it's like a verbal contract. So then, if they no show, <laughs> fuck you, buddy. You're gonna have to push it and be persistent and contact me. I don't care if I'm on camera or not. You don't make me do anything I don't want to do. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to contact me. You're gonna have to send me messages and go, Trevor. I want to get with you on this day. I'm gonna make you work for it. That sounds good to me. Like I need to kick up the ass as well. So, in terms of um, uh, social media, because you are on Facebook, um, you know, and you're very receptive to your fans and everything else. Um, have you considered doing like the YouTube thing or anything like that? Or my wife has really been persistent here lately about you know um, maybe I'm not the most technically uh, advanced individual when it comes to the internet and computers. Um, so it scares me, you know what I mean? I don't look like an idiot. Uh, but also in the same sense, my wife reminds me that we're also in an, in an age where in a time right now where I can't directly interact with my fans on a face-to-face -face basis. So I need to get myself out there. So I, I think I am going to do a YouTube channel. I, I, I just don't know what the hell I'm going to do it about. Like, I don't think my life is very entertaining. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if people want to know how Trevor makes his eggs in the morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> little, little onion, or little green peppers, some Parmesan cheese, four eggs, baby, and a little milk. And I got you some, you know, I don't know if people want to know that. Um, but there's I, I an think audience for everything, man. Yeah, there's an audience for everything. Cooking with oh, Trevor well, Murdoch. I'm sure. I would. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's an audience for everything. I will give you that. Uh, it, it's something I'm definitely looking into. We bought some things, you know, uh, stands for cameras, and, and I'm going to be buying some lights here soon. Um, but uh, something that I'm I'm going to try, I'm trying to, I, I definitely want to get more online and in front of the people. And um, I'm, I've just recently contacted Pro Wrestling Tees, about opening up a t-shirt store because uh, I've never had t-shirts. Like I've like when I was with WWE, I didn't have t-shirts. Um, BJ Harley's wife back in the day made me one for WLW, uh, but it was pretty cheap, <laughs> pretty cheesy. <laughs> um, but other than that, I've never had any t-shirts or any real merch. Um, and so I'm, I, I want to put that out there. I want, you know, I've got, I've got so many people contacting me going, where's your shirts at? I want one of your shirts. So I think that's what, that's my next step. Um, and, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, you know, be on social media more and uh, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the real TT Murdoch. Um, I'm on Facebook. I, I've got a TikTok, but I haven't like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo about it. I'm, I'm a stalker. Because I, I, I like watching all the financial guys and I'll, I'll follow them. But then I, I watch TikTok and just watch this train wreck of people. And I'm, if you're on TikTok, I apologize. But if you no, I, I see <laughs> one video of booty slapping and then the next one is a guy, 
you know, feeding his dog, you know, food so he can watch him take a poo. I, you know what I mean? Like there's some, <laughs> you know, there's some really cool shit on there too, but I just, it's almost like a little bit like the Jerry Springer show. And I just like to watch the car crashes, you know? Mm-hmm. So, of course. Uh, but maybe I do need to get more, um, more involved on TikTok and put some videos out there too. I was going to say, when's the uh, Trevor Murdoch OnlyFans uh, going to start? Dude, I will take the pictures. <laughs> Don't think I won't. Like, I ain't scared. Like, I already uh-huh. got a wife and kids. Who the fuck am I trying to impress? You know what I mean? I... <laughs> Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, no, so and Pro Wrestling Tees in the in the new year uh, is gonna have a European store as well, which is great because um I I want to buy so much from Pro Wrestling Tees, but the once the shipping is incorporated and everything as well. So I think they've obviously realized that and um yeah, no, that's that's very, very exciting that that's gonna happen. And uh yeah, I'll definitely be getting a Trevor Murdoch t shirt in husky size. You you have to bear in mind that like your fans are husky. <laughs> Hey, no, brother. I understand. I know who to talk to. I'm, I'm not getting any one T's out there or anything like that. I know uh-huh. I don't sell much. <laughs> and uh, before we go, because like I'm a big like wrestling collector as well. So you, I mean, you, you've been on trading cards and had action figures and stuff like that. Did you collect your own stuff, or did you collect wrestling stuff generally as a fan? I have, I have one set of all my action figures, and I have one set of all my trading cards. Um, I used to have tons of my action figures and tons of copies of my trading cards um and throughout the years i've given them away to fans <coughs> signed over some to family um so now i virtually have one set that you know i'm just having for my own personal memorabilia um something that maybe i can one day show my grandkids that when i'm old and gray you know gramps used to be on a top baseball card you know um, uh-huh. and and yeah. you you got scanned for the figure as well. Was that a bit, how long did that take? Did you have to pull many um, different faces? There's a little story about that too. Um, they make you, when you, when you go to do those scans, you have two different types of scans. They do a one where you've got your arms out and you do a full body scan. And then they have one where you step over and they just do from the neck up and you do different faces. You know what I mean? You smile, you know, you make frown. <laughs> And I'm I'm excited. Like when they have me go do this, I am stoked. Um, I am fired up because I'm like I'll be the only action figure with like you know a real a real belly. You know what I mean? And like I won't you know they'll, they'll probably puff me up a little bit in the chest and the arms, but I'll look as like this. They're they're scanning my body like they they have it has to be realistic, right? Like my action <laughs> figure is going to be different from everybody uh-huh. else's. So they tell us um, the, the the Jacks people. I think it was Jacks at the time. I think. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. Okay, it was. They come, uh, you know, like six months later, and they bring everybody their action figures, you know, so everybody can have one set. And I am fired up. I am excited. I am like, let me see that motherfucker. And I grab it, and I look at it, and I'm just what. In the fuck, they've got abs on me. <laughs> I, I got like, I got like a three pack, and it's you know I look jacked, right? Like there's like a three pack on there, right? Yeah, yeah. There ain't, there ain't I, a three pack about me. <laughs> see, the thing is, can you see that? That's the Harley yeah, figure. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So like, the, like, yeah, it's 
it's kind of like the barrel chest, but there's still, you know, that's, you know, the uh, criticism about Jax is that they had a, 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 about four different body types and that was it. There was Yokozuna, um, there was Colin Delaney, uh, there was this one, and then there was maybe one in the middle, like the sort of ripped abs that they give uh, Cade. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, guys, the only thing they got right was from the neck up. The only thing. <laughs> Like, it, uh, it, it's even my hair, you know what I mean? My hair at the time, it was, you know, a little, a little disheveled. Like, everything from the neck up was, was spot on. But from the neck down, people are going to laugh at this. They're going to be like, this ain't fucking Trevor Murdoch. We've seen this motherfucker. <laughs> it's kind of like when a, um, a convention shows, like, oh, coming up, this guy. And then they show a picture of them from, like, the 80s. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that was like that that action figure was like my like my first two years in the business, and then they're gonna wait twenty years and go here's Trevor Murdoch and I come out and I'm like, yeah, it just don't mix. They don't. They don't know. Oh, like this is this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for giving me an hour of your time. Um, no, no problem, man. And I, you know, I think we're barely scratched the surface. We talked. I mean, once we start talking about Harley, I know this is like your career, but like you know. <laughs> Like I've got no, first time first time knowledge of uh, Harley Race as well, which is uh, which is just wonderful. So um yeah no so everyone can find you on Facebook, on Instagram, on um, OnlyFans and um, yeah, yeah. yeah OnlyFans. <laughs> um so yeah no great stuff. Thank you again and uh, we will talk soon. Bye.